Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. Oh, it finally cooled down and my gardens are loving it. I mean, loving it. You've just come into the fall planting season. Autumn, I mean, September through Thanksgiving is like a sweet spot like no other. I've put quite a few shrubs, a few perennials in my own gardens trying to take advantage of the planting season that's here. Plus, I've got some new landscapes I put in. I ripped out some some steps, got some new planting uh, beds next to each and every step. There's probably, I don't know, two stories worth. It's a lot of steps. And it's beautiful, and it needed to be updated. And so sometimes our house is a 1990s kind of home. Uh, the neighborhood's 1990s. They're starting to infill all of the extra open lots. And so now the 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 community is completely matured. It's done. The trees are up. They look good. But what happens is they start to get a little dated. So that huge... Uh, uh, juniper hedge starts to get woody and overgrown and looks it looks dated. That willow tree, that willows don't live very long. It's now 20 years old. They're starting to have dead branches. They're becoming downright dangerous. They, the uh, limbs can drop and break and fall on cars and people and rooftops. So you need to always be updating or freshness into your landscape. And so for, for the Lane Casa, what we do, we, we actually try to physically replace or add or update about 10% of our landscape or our beds, our plants, even our trees every year. That way, over a 10-year basis, you've always got some new stuff always looking good. Well, it was time for the patio to be leveled. Had some steps going down, uh, patio meeting the, the top landing down to the steps. Needed to relevel that. It was looking like needed some help. It just needed some extra sand underneath it. Now it looks fresh. It looks brand new. We pulled out the uh, timbers. The timbers uh, were just rotting as pecky cedar. I mean, 15-year-old, 10-year-old pecky cedar. It starts to rot. I've been piecing this thing together with Band-Aids for... Mm, quite a number of years, well, it's time for those to go out. And we just put in actual block. Block is much more permanent, and it dates the house to today because that's what's trending today. Not cinder block, but pavers and, and, and you know mocha-colored retaining block. That's what the steps are made out of. And so now it's, it looks it's safer. It looks more updated. It looks brand new. And so it needed some gardens to go next to that to kind of just hardscape by itself. Hardscape is anything that's in the yard that's not living. That'd be rock, boulders, decks, fences, patios. These are all called hardscape. The opposite in landscape design is softscape. This is all the living stuff. It could be a vegetable garden to a tree, a shrub. Uh, It could be a, a, a hedgerow. A lawn. These are all soft scapes. And so if it has, if you get this out of balance, it feels you'll walk into that landscape going, I don't know what's up with this, but it doesn't quite feel right. It either feels like a jungle 
or it feels like a dust bowl. It just, there's this balance and there's some science to it. There's math. Uh, there's some landscape, you know, architect design. This is what they teach in school. And so that's not for this show. I'm going to go over that next week. So kind of a teaser to next week's show. Right now, I was getting my soils ready. And so when I was planting, what I did is I, I replaced these beds with potting soil. So I created these actual raised beds that go along the steps. And then I backfilled those with water's potting soil. Potting soil is like our grower's mix. Our grower came up with this formula, a recipe, many, many years ago. We've tested against all the major brands. We were testing to see which, which soils the plants really, really like and root into faster, better, stronger, bigger plant. So this, this is science. This is actually we test and A-B testing or just test the competition and you tweak the recipe and you come up with this great soil that plants love. So I filled those, those created potting, you know, raised beds and filled it with potting soil. Now, when I dug out that soil to create the hole to put this new nandinas, uh, grasses, mums, there's a hole, it's quite a long bed up against the foundation of the house. When I'm putting those in, I'm actually sprinkling at the bottom of the hole Waters Aqua Boost Crystals. Aqua Boost Crystals are, um, they're polymers. So if you scientists, you folks out there, engineers, you know what polymers. Soil polymers is an agricultural product. Yeah, they hold like 200 times their weight in water. Sometimes you'll see them at the county fair or a, or a farmer's market. They'll create neckerchiefs and they soak them in water and they swell up. Well, the stuff inside that are polymers. We can add that directly underneath the roots of your plants and it's a game changer. It makes all of the difference. And so every one of my plantings, I don't forget how many I planted. It was oh, a truckload full. I mean, the pickup, it's full. It's that many. At the bottom of every planting hole, I sprinkle some Aquaboost crystals. These are infused with mycorrhizal colonies. Uh, mycorrhizals are beneficials. These are the... They, they have a symbiotic relationship with the roots of your plants that encourage them to root out more and to take in more nitrogen, more water. And so they're very beneficial. Sometimes when you dig into a compost pile or, or you, you dig into your raised beds and you'll see this white powdery uh, clump sitting there. Those are mycorrhizal colonies. Plants love those. I just think that is everything. And so they actually will root out reaching for those colonies because they have this symbiotic relationship. And so we've infused these polymers with the beneficials. And so I sprinkle some of that at the bottom of every planting hole to encourage the plants to root to start a new mycorrhizal colony around the root balls of my plants. We're deep into the science piece of this, but it really works. Trust me. But mainly the polymers hold the moisture. So they swell up, they kind of absorb the moisture, so it keeps your plant from drying out. And so now you water half as, half as often uh, for the same plant, for the same effect or health of that plant. It's a game changer, really makes a difference. So every time I plant a tomato, a flower, I just always have a quart size, pint size, I just get a big jug and I just sprinkle a couple tablespoons. Doesn't take very much. And then I backfill around that and then I water it in. The watering piece, I've seen this mistake happen quite a few times this year. It's just a total rookie mistake. 
especially with potting soil. Now, potting soils, if you're buying like a miracle Grow or a Scott's or a, a big-name brand, those they, they are not organic potting soils. Yeah, they got peat moss, maybe if you're lucky. Basically, they got compost with some sand, maybe some perlite. They really take some shortcuts sometimes. But then what, what happens is they add a wetting agent. The wetting agent is the synthetic piece of this. They want it to moisten up, to stay moist in the, in the bag. They want it to feel heavier so it feels like there's more value there. So they're using a synthetic hydration uh, to keep the soil moist. We don't put that into our, our potting soil for a reason. I'm an organic gardener. And I made it for me. I just happened to share it with customers here in the Prescott area. And so we don't add wetting agents to our soils. It takes a little bit longer to hydrate, to plump that soil back up. So you get more value in the bag because it just, it's not all water. It's actually hasn't swelled up yet. It's holding moisture. It's just peat moss and compost and perlite and a 555 organic fertilizer. And that's the mix. That's the recipe. There's ratios to it. But I had to really water those plants a lot. Probably each plant needed five gallons of water. I was surprised. But what I find is folks will take a shortcut. They're watering the plant, and they're not watering the soil around it. So what happens is the plant will perk back up real quick, but then by evening, the surrounding soil has wicked all that water away, so the plant's left wanting. When it goes dry, it defoliates. And so it just gets totally stressed out. Then you try to water it some more. You just never quite get it watered enough. Really add the water so that surrounding soil, initial watering, is very hydrated. And now you can put it on the drip system and back that irrigation off. I've really watered well. And now I'll probably water a couple times a week with the drip system. I might hand water if I'm going to travel for a little bit to go out for a while. But basically, hydrate really well. Containers, raised beds, or in the ground before you put it on the drip system. Don't just count on the drip system to water that plant. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for September are raywood ash, Russian sage, honeysuckle, and ivory feathers pampas grass. Ivory Feathers is a dwarf pampas grass that blends perfectly into desert landscapes. The ivory plumes reach overhead height for architectural style around patios and ponds. Well suited as a visual barrier or hedge in the far reaches of the yard. You will find only the brightest grasses here at Waters Garden Center. Shop in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Oh no, my pine trees look terrible. Never fear, Plant Protector is here. Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My super strength protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into the soil and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year. Thank you, Plant Protector. You can always find Plant Protector at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the mountain gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the family garden center. Now, welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just uh, what are your neighbors talking about? Sometimes we can learn just by listening in, and that's kind of the goal of this segment. Lisa. Yes, thank you. Welcome. 
Thank you. Nice to have you in my cubicle. Your cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than a cubicle. It is my office. Actually, I shot a video. Uh, we put a press release out mm-hmm. um, I, this last week. It's got picked up by Signals AZ, Prescott E News. It's, it's been getting picked up. Um, but I shot a video going, hey, let me show you. The, the title was COVID-19 Forces Garden Center to Go Viral. <laughs> and it's our uh, just a, how do you get people to open up something. That's kind of uh-huh. yeah. what I went with. Um, seems to be working. Good. Good. <laughs> and it was just to feature our online store. So uh-huh. we're not just a garden center you have to come to anymore. You can now shop online, have us deliver, plant, get as involved as you want. It was just the feature the new web store, sure. which is no small feat. I had Not to put hundreds and hundreds of hours mm-hmm. into getting that thing launched. It was just the word out. And I, I uh, said, hey, I was out in the garden center going, hey, we just here's what happened. Here's the history. Here's what COVID did. We had plans to go online, but uh, we're two years ahead. Let me show you. And I, then I faded and brought everyone into my office. They're seeing the studio. Uh-huh. When you go on, you see that if you see a YouTube yes. video or go to Waters Garden Center, our uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. it's the top one. You can take a look. You'll see my office. A little embarrassed. I thought I had all the paper piles of paper <laughs> uh, out of the way, but still there's one pile left. There's so. always a pile <laughs> <it>. somewhere, <laughs> but that's okay. It just means you're working. Well, I guess right? so. Yeah. yeah. So garden questions. Mm-hmm. Anything good this week? Anything good. Entertain, entertain <laughs> me. What is good? I mean, <laughs> no. that's very Don't make arbitrary. it watering. I mean, just, uh, I'm tired of water questions. Well, that has been an issue. But this one's from Janet. She has a Fuji apple tree that finally produced apples Yay. this year. So she's pretty excited about that. But she wants to know, how do you know when they're ready to pick? So Fuji apples, this is... The mountains of Arizona is really, really good for growing apples and pears. Those are our most produced fruit trees. Uh, they outproduce peaches, cherries, apricots, all the others combined. And so apples usually will have way more than one apple. Mm-hmm. So probably it's too soon. Apples and pears are generally a fall type of crop. So they look good. They're teasing you because you can see them. They're ripening. But they'll have a color. Fujis will have a color to mm-hmm. them. They're probably more green now. and They'll have more of a blush to them. And then if in doubt, pick one off and try it. Try it. You can't, you can't <laughs> beat the taste test. So that just works. But my guess is it's going to be the end of September, October, mm-hmm. November. Oh, that Before late. it really, yeah, before you harvest all those and they come off. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a fall, autumn kind of crop. So, Same with pears. Yeah, so apples and pears later. But right now, I mean, most of the po- uh, peaches and plums should yeah, pretty much be done, right? Yeah, they're being harvested now, depending on the elevation, where you're at mm-hmm. in, in Arizona. Uh, we've already, we just finished ours a week ago. So the peaches, the plums were coming off a week before that. Apricots, mm-hmm. nectarines before that. And so there's just this wave of, of, it's a tremendous time to be putting in Mm -hmm. a fruit tree just because you can root them out, get them started. Then next spring, you'll have Mm -hmm. blossoms and fruit. That is true. So, But that's, wait for it. And if in doubt, chomp into one and it'll either be pithy and not ripe and not (laughs) sweet or it'll be... Oh my gosh, this is so good. I can't believe it. Ready to roll. Yeah. On your peaches, made me think of something so... um, if your peaches and, and your plums are done blooming or done producing, can you trim them back at this time of year if, you, if you're trying to keep them on the smaller side? Yeah, so they call those summer suckers. So the suck, the new growth is probably put on two, three foot of growth. 
And so you, you keep as much foliage on as you can while it's got fruit because that's what's creating photosynthesis mm -hmm. and the sugars. Uh, that's what makes the nice sweet fruit. But as soon as that last uh, fruit drops or, or you've harvested, you go ahead and trim up and take off some of that new growth to keep it down. So we're growing a, a peach tree, pretty good-sized one, in a big pot. Mm -hmm. It's on our patio. produces very heavily for us. Uh, but what I do is I'll get up on a ladder because it's been a week. I'll go ahead and shape it down and take off that and just kind of bring it back. And then next winter, I'll actually give it that detailed type of pruning. Mm -hmm. Open up the middle so air can go through it and sun, sunlight can get through it. Keeps the disease down, gets my, my fruits bigger. And so it's kind of two pruning seasons, one in summer after the, the harvest and then one in winter, which is your traditional Mm -hmm. pruning time if you don't care just let it go let it get bigger doesn't matter peaches yeah. don't get that big anyway maybe 20 mm -hmm. feet i mean with a fruit picker you can pretty much get to the top of almost yeah. any of those okay all right our next question is from megan they pull she pulled out some tomato and zucchini plants out of her garden that just were not producing look pretty icky she wants to know can she throw those into her compost pile or is that not recommended ah you know if in doubt if you have to ask a question don't do it <laughs> so throw it away get it out don't compost it because what why was it looking why right. wasn't it producing why wasn't so it might have leaf spot vertinellum wilt and these things they are soil born and so mm -hmm. they come back to the gardens to the plants next year's garden through the soil and so if you've got to ask that question, for any kind of spotting of the leaf or curling of the leaf, do not compost it. Just throw it in the dumpster or give it to someone you don't like. Don't, don't, you don't want it in your gardens. You just right. want to give it, you want to keep it clean as best you can. Okay. And so uh, for her, I would say just because she's asking already. So mm -hmm. something triggered that. I don't something know what happened, it is. Yeah. Going to just, it's not worth it. So just kind of get it Put out Put them in there. the trash can. Yeah. I know. And you can plant. I mean, if you had to pull those out, we've got broccoli and cauliflower oh, and kales yeah. and lettuce and all that fall, you know, cool season mm -hmm. crops. There's a whole nother, everything you could plant back in the spring, you can plant now in the fall yeah. and harvest. And so it's a good time to be opening up the gardens and adding some things, especially the edibles sure. uh, into the gardens, even the flowers. We've got mm -hmm. some pansies and kales and Johnny Jump Ups. They're, they're in. So the mm -hmm. fall crops, they're, they're in the garden centers. They're here now uh, ready for planting. Yep, that is true. So I noticed, I was looking out the back window yesterday, our gigantic pumpkin is no longer. I know. It's a casualty <laughs> of remodels. So we've been remodeling the back, you know, the mm -hmm. huge remodeled garden, outside patios, uh, um, stairs. And so you lose, you take your focus yeah. and you put it on to a you know, month and a half <laughs> remodel project. And it's a couple of casualties of the corn. I lost the corn. I had to yeah. pull that up going, okay, I just couldn't do I couldn't it do it. Grandkids are going to be very disappointed. I know. I'll go, I'll go cheat. I'll go to the farmers. I'll buy one. So they start harvesting. I'll talk Just to friends. Throw it out in the yard. <laughs> okay, yeah. folks. If you got an extra big pumpkin <laughs> and you got too many, could you drop one off? I want to share it with the grandkids. I'll give you credit. Yeah, they love the pumpkin thing every year. And then we ended up dropping them uh, off yeah. the roofs. It's, yeah. it's a whole thing. Yeah. They would be very we'll, disappointed. We'll do it again. I'll take them down to some place and yeah. buy a pumpkin. and That'll make them happy. Yeah. Okay. One quick question. I know you said no watering, but this <sighs> maybe every week, maybe maybe not. So Trevor has some mature aspens, seven years old. 
that are just looking for brown leaves, light color, not dying dead, but just rough. Yeah. What can you do now to help them? Sure. So that's not watering. So that's that's a food, soil, pH, nutrient thing. It's just good. Perfect. So it's off color. So you're seeing your neighbors a dark, rich green. It's beautiful. That's what they should be. If they get, if they start to become, if they starve to death, leaves will get smaller. They'll start dropping some leaves. They'll get lighter colored. They can even turn color too soon. They'll go into that fall gold far too soon. That's usually a nutrient thing in pH. So fertilize your aspens with all-purpose plant food. It's a 744 food. Uh, it might green it up some now. But aspens are one of the first things to turn to color in the fall. So they're going to turn in maybe three, you know, in, into this month, first of October, they start to turn color. But at least you're setting the stage for healthier root development. Mm-hmm. You're going to green it up for next year. You're always thinking a season ahead. So you're fertilizing now for next spring's growth. So you get greener, uh, thicker, uh, nicer leaves next spring. And it can make, it can bring out the color now. So the fall colored maples, aspens, ash, Fertilize those things with the all-purpose right now, and it will bring out that autumn color, and it'll be richer, deeper, uh, brighter colors just by nu- putting that nutrients in now, and it will increase root development through the fall. Great questions. All right, Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion plants for September are raywood ash, Russian sage, pampas grass, and gold flame honeysuckle. Gold flame honeysuckle is the perfect vine to cover a trellis, arbor, or a fence. Also works well when pruned to form a dense shrub. Purple to deep pink flowers open to sweetly fragrant golden yellow flowers throughout summer and fall. Deer and javelina proof and oh so easy to grow. Shop the most fragrant vines in store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. It is September, October gardening. You get tremendous amount of growth. Lots of, I mean, substantial root growth on your plant. Some of the best root formation happens in the autumn of the year. That's why this is such a great time to be planting, especially larger kind of plants. Trees, shrubs, you know, spruce, sycamore, a maple, aspens, uh, all your shrubs, especially if you're doing a, a privacy screen. I mean, this is the time that you want to add those things in because of the root formation. You'll get much more growth next spring by planting now. 
just because you'll have so much more root. What really comes down to in the mountains of Arizona, because of the way our wet patterns work, the most difficult month to grow things is June. June is the hottest, driest month. July, at some point, the clouds start to form. It didn't rain very much in July this year. The rains came in August instead of July. But it was cloudy. It was humid. And the plants, it wasn't as hot. They just, they seemed to, June is kind of the hardest, driest, crustiest month. And all the plants had this new growth on them. And so they're more sensitive. Every month you can plant before the month of June, you're better off. I'm not talking vegetable gardens now. I'm not talking tomatoes. You have to wait till after frost to put those in. They're a tropical plant. I'm talking about the perennials, uh, the, the things that come back year after year after year and keep growing. Uh, it could be an evergreen perennial like Hugo pines or, or junipers or cypress or cedar. It could be a tree. It could be a, a, a beautiful Russian sage, salvias, echinaceas, gallardias. You name it. You know what I'm talking about. Every month you can plant those before the heat of June, the better off you are. So they'll have more root mass. It's all about the roots. You get plants to root out, and they are tough as nails. You encourage them to, you plant them right in June. You you can do that. June's our second busiest month of the year for planting, just customers. But you have to be on top of your watering. That that irrigation cycle, that system's got to be tuned in. It's got to be tuned up and, and dialed in so that it's just right on the money. you got to be there to monitor and see how they're doing and talk to your plants. But if you were to simply plant in the fall, you could just kind of slop factor. You're kind of, yeah, I'm close. Good enough. I've just tripled the root mass of my plants simply by planting now. They root out through the end of the year. They take a little break in January, middle of February. Then they start to root out again, and that's sort of the cycle that we have here in the mountains of Arizona. That's what makes a difference. Right now, too, just autumn, we're setting the stage. It cooled down. This is how it's going to be. It's just going to be beautiful for months at this point through until about Thanksgiving, and then it starts to get cold. So December's kind of a cold in the mountains. It's just cold for a couple months there, Uh, but right now, till then, it's just why we live here. It's so so nice. And your plants love it. What I'm doing right now is I'm setting the stage. I'm getting my plants ready. Many of my plants, they, they spend the season, the growing season, outdoors. And then they come indoors through the winter. Or they'll come up against the house through the winter. So I've got quite a few zone eight. Uh, Prescott's a zone seven. So you folks... Uh, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley, Paulden, well, Zone 7, okay? Uh, your Kingmans, the, the Camp Verdes, Cottonwoods, you all are a Zone 8. You're click warmer. Uh, Cortis Junction, Spring Valley, Zone 8. You're just warmer, but not by much. You still get freezing. You still get frost. You still get a dusting of snow. It's still a four-season climate. My borderline plants, I'm starting to get ready so that I can transition them the end of October. Yeah, we're seven weeks away, but still, I'm getting ready. I'm encouraging new growth, uh, and I'm starting to clean them up. So I've just shaped some of my plants. Give them a haircut. I don't want to bring them in the house or the garage or the shed or the greenhouse, kind of just <laughs> just overgrown. They take up too much real estate. So if you trim them up now, and then they're starting to flush new growth in a month, Ooh, now that plant just looks great. So if you've got geraniums you're going to bring indoors, 
Now's the time to, to kind of deadhead them, trim them, really be aggressive on them, cut them back. And then what I'm doing is I'm fertilizing my plants after I do this major cut, cutting back, shaping. I'm fertilizing them with root and grow. Root and grow is a compost tea. I steep it out of just it's a bunch of just organic. It doesn't, it's not, it's kind of like fish emulsion, but it doesn't have that fish, nasty fish smell. It, but it's got the same in richness. It's got this like syrupy, maple, you know, molasses look to it. But plants love this stuff. I created it to, to, for new transplants, but boy, it's the best houseplant food. Anything that's stressed, you give it some root and grow, and boy, they just love that stuff. So I'm shaping things back that I'm going to tr- transition closer to the house or bring indoors, and then I fertilize it right afterwards with root and grow. In a month, usually in October, I'm going to put in systemic granules. It's a systemic bug killer because there's bugs. There's stuff living in the soil. If you bring it indoors, they come out and they party in your house. It just is not good. So about two weeks prior to coming into the house, I'll sprinkle systemic granules, and that's how I transition. But you start now. You think ahead. You're always a season ahead as a gardener so that you can bring them in later. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Waters Garden Companion Plants for September are Russian Sage, Pampas Grass, Honeysuckle, and Raywood Ash. Raywoods are superior shade trees for wind and drought locations. Plant as a single specimen or in a grove for more widespread shade on hot south and western exposures. Dark green foliage forms the perfect round head with leaves that turn a magical wine red through autumn. We sell only the prettiest shade trees at Waters Garden Center. Shop in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Safe, natural, organic fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we have Lisa Waters Lane back in the studio. This this segment is all about her gardens and what's going on in her 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 gardens. <laughs> so, welcome back to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. So the uh, our gardens. Uh-huh. We do share some gardens, and then you got your own gardens, and then I can have my own gardens. Yeah, we have a big property, so we just garden. That's true. Uh, the uh, new pat, new steps. What do you yes. think? You got them all done. Going to the back. They're beautiful. Yeah. So we had these ugly, what nineteen eighty. Railroad cedar. Tie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were falling apart, disintegrating, which wood does here. Um, so, yeah, we put brand new block ones in. They're beautiful. I reset that wall, too. That's like uh-huh. four-foot wall. Kind of straightened it out, brought it forward. Those are kill- 80-pound blocks. Ar- ar- had to ar- remove, you know, maybe had to add, I don't know, 20 blocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
my back is sore <laughs> <laughs> but it looks gorgeous the it way is. it flows beautiful we just had we had a rainstorm right after that and mm-hmm. then it came through the, the it's uh, it's flowing in the right direction i was gonna <laughs> say did it flow That's the good. right way <laughs> so it's all good yeah yeah it is um it, it looks really, really nice. Just that little bit of updating there makes a huge difference. But yeah, we've had to replant new plants back there because we had to pull a lot of them out. And you know, I just some of them I didn't have to pull out, but I just wanted to. Yeah. They look good. And I went, you know, I'm just tired of you, and I have <laughs> you to have to either them. had to move them or uh-huh. remove them. And I chose for the we got all these beautiful plants coming to the garden center. Right. I get teased mm-hmm. too. Going, I'd rather just have fresh new plants. Mm-hmm. Than these old ones I've grown accustomed, accustomed to, you know. Sometimes you just need a new relationship. Yeah, I mean, the first time we put those, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. There we go. <laughs> Shows you how well I listen. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, did you say new relationship <laughs> with your plants? <laughs> with plants. Ouch. Yeah. So some of those we'd put in when we first moved in. Yeah, twenty years Almost ago. Twenty years ago now, yeah. and. And some of them we thought were going to do excellent. It was just too hot a spot for them because it's up against the house. And even though they were eastern exposure, just got a lot more sun and heat yep. than we thought they were yep. going to get. So, you know, you live and learn. Landscapes and, mature, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, back then the trees were small and now they're right. bigger. And so they, they're, you can you can thin some of those things out to open it up. Mm-hmm. So we actually took – we have less plants in than we had. Right. Fresh new steps. But what we do have is spaced out, and it's fresh, and it's young, and it's new, and it just yeah. looks good. Right. Yeah. I like it. You did a very good job, Thank dear. you, dear. Go say it again. <laughs> no, I don't want you to get a big head. Okay. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> well, that's probably true. But refreshing, yes, you need to do it in your landscapes, but I find, like this time of year, sometimes you need to redo it in your pots, yeah, your container true. gardens, yeah. because some things... Just start to look worn out, and it's time to put different and fresh stuff in, especially as we move seasonally into fall. Um, it's fun to put some of that fall stuff in and think about that. Are you talking mums and pansies, the, the fall-colored flower kind of stuff? So Yeah. So even yeah, so a couple of my pots I'm going to redo. I haven't told you yet, but I'm going to redo I them. know. They're, they're looking terrible. So <laughs> they're off color. They haven't been blooming very well. Right. They're just tired they're tired they're, they need to go so but we have some beautiful red curly sedge that i'm going to put in there so which is kind of a grass looking thing yeah. i love it because it has that fall color to it um, and so really pretty to put in for the fall i'm going to put some chrysanthemums in because i love chrysanthemums yeah. And probably some more pansies and snapdragons because we're right on that change of season so if i'm going to redo a pot why not redo it? You know, this is the time of year when it's really a decoration mm-hmm. kind of time. You're, it's less, I guess it's still gardening, yeah. but it's decor. You're just updating or having, mm-hmm. you know, decorating with a pumpkin and some corn stalks and, and some mums. Yeah. It just looks pretty. So it, it just looks good. It says fall. Yeah. Put a scarecrow out. It's time to put our, <laughs> we got these uh, upside down witch's feet that we stick out in the yard. We'll put mm-hmm. the end of this month for Halloween. Right. It's like the Wicked Witch of the West. Or is it the East? Which one is it? Uh, Hit the ground the and her legs are just sticking up out of the time lawn. Just 
it gets yeah. giggles. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. But it's Decorating. fun to redo those pots, too, and kind of think, oh, the, the more fall stuff, the curly sedges, chrysanthemums, snapdragons. Yeah. Um, also, you can start putting, um, even though they're ornamental kales, but you can also put the edible kales. Yeah. We do that quite frequently, the kales and the uh, Swiss chard yeah. into our pots. So it's kind of that double whammy. We're getting food, fresh greens, and they just look pretty. They're a lot just of them a have really plant. nice colors to them, so yeah. why not mix them in there? Why not? Why not? That's a, This is this part of it. I love the Phoenix uh, SoCal folks mm-hmm. coming over. They, they're totally dumbfounded that you can actually garden when it's below like 70 degrees. <laughs> they're going, oh, can I still garden one? Yeah, it's for, you're guarding with fall things that like the cool, so you're not putting, you know, summer tomatoes in, but right. you're, you can put in mums and mm-hmm. the spinach and the pansies. And this is when the, the uh, uh, smoke bush looks its best. The maples look their best. This is when you plant them. Yeah. So they're, they're, you give them permission. They're kind of going, really? I can do that? Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Definitely, definitely. So if you're thinking of some of those more f- traditional fall-colored plants, uh, now is a really good time to put them in. So ivory feather, pampas grass, so yeah. those are just, I noticed ours at the end of the parking lot, Yeah, just starting to bloom, poking their, their fresh little plumes up. Um, just a real pretty fall plant. A lot of your ornamental grasses, this is when they look their best. Yeah. So the... Uh, the Carly fountain grass, the miscanthus, the mooly grasses, all those times. Put them in now so you can enjoy, you know, the fall color off of them. It's the best time to plant them because you can see what they look like. Oh, yeah. Whereas it, earlier in spring, they're kind of, they're just barely coming out of their yeah. buckets. It's you're hard like, to envision. Hey. You know, you're looking yeah. at a tag that's like two by two inches. Mm-hmm. Going, Is it really going to look like that? Yeah, now, you, now it does look like right. that. Right. Uh, a lot of your sedums, so your Autumn Joy sedum, uh, a lot of your, your uh, Dragon's Blood, all those kind of guys, they're l- late bloomers too, late summer into early fall. So the Autumn Joys are just start. They're the buds have been set, the, the flower, but they haven't really opened yet. But they're gorgeous when they yeah. open, kind of that real pink, anywhere from pink to red, and then they get a really nice bronze color on them. Evergreen, rock mm-hmm. gardens. Another one's that same vein that I love that's not really a sedum, but euphorbia, mm-hmm. rainbow ascot, rainbow euphorbia. Yeah. It acts like a sedum. Mm-hmm. It's evergreen like a sedum, but it's a little bit more upright, like a vase-shaped. Yeah. It's beautiful perennial for here. Just, it just is. Stunning. We have it, uh, two, two different pots we have it growing in, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of them has the sedum, uh, the dragon's blood sedum growing around it. So that's nice and low. And then it has this beautiful rainbow ascot euphorbia coming at it. It's got a gold color rainbow ascot. Euphorbia is gold. Mm-hmm. And the dragon's blood sedum is a trailer that's red. red. So the red, you get this two-tone. It's just really, it says style. It does, definitely. So if you're also thinking ahead to fall color, things that you could put in now for that fall color would be burning bush. So the compact burning bush, that's the one that turns that bright, bright red uh, going into fall and then loses its leaves for the winter. But absolutely gorgeous when it turns that bright red color. Green right now has that green leaf to it, but really pretty. Grolo sumac. Which is a nice native. Yeah. That's a native. Oh, right? yeah. Very yeah. much ground cover. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Really pretty fall color there again, and especially for those good hot spots that you have going. Uh, red wall, Virginia creeper. 
So Redwall is different from our native Virginia creeper in that the leaves are larger. So it really makes a, a beautiful fall showing. And tough as a native. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a ground cover, or it'll creep up an arbor or trellis or fence. Mm-hmm. It's just a tough native Nothing eats it. Deer, rabbits, javelina, leave it alone. Yeah. It's just a great native wild vine mm-hmm. that grows here. Absolutely. Sumacs or companion plants or sumacs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, of course, everybody thinks about the maples yeah. for fall yeah, colors. So good Number time to seller. be putting those in. Uh, I was trying to think of other fall color trees. So ornamental pear. Yeah. Uh, gives you that real pretty orangey red color. Pistachio. Pistachio. Um, there's some elms, like the frontier yeah. elm, yeah, give you a nice choice. red color. Um, what else? Raywood ash does yeah. really well. So We've got like hundreds of trees. If you really <laughs> want fall color trees or another shade tree, come talk to us. We can show aspens, number yeah, one seller too. So, Ken Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden companion plants for September are Russian sage, pampas grass, honeysuckle, and raywood ash. Raywoods are superior shade trees for wind and drought locations. Plant as a single specimen or in a grove for more widespread shade on hot south and western exposures. Dark green foliage forms the perfect round head with leaves that turn a magical wine red through autumn. We sell only the prettiest shade trees at Waters Garden Center. Shop in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Ouch! Oh man, another rock! Hi, I'm Rusty. You know, the shovel you're destroying trying to dig that hole? Sure, I get it. We got these beautiful plants at Waters Garden Center. Waters asked if they could plant them for you, but no. You had to do it yourself, even though they would plant, deliver, and guarantee your plants for two years. I hope I don't end up like that old pickaxe. Ouch! Prevent yard tool abuse. Waters Garden Center. They plant, deliver, and guarantee. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. There's a few things that make gardening truly just easier. We've kind of sprinkled some of this throughout the show, but bottom line, Here's what it comes down to. Guarding the mountains of Arizona can be a challenge. It's just a drier climate. Uh, It's more alkaline. Your soil is very high in pH, and so that affects the plants. It's unique to the Southwest. No other place in the country has that. Wind, dry, 10% humidity, those bright sun, the elevations, the altitude. The sun is more intense, and so you need plants that can take that on. But it all starts with the soil. You get your soil right, and it just is a game changer. You take shortcuts on the soil. I mean, you should put a $5 plant in a $10 hole. Literally, you're just putting all that energy, all the work is, is in getting the soil prepped. And then the afterthought is put the plants. If you just do it like you did, if you're from the Midwest or the South, where you just kind of chuck, I could chuck this microphone on the ground, chuck a little dirt over it, and it would start to grow. If you're doing that with your plants here in the mountains of Arizona, 
you're going to have some very serious failures. Uh, but if you prep that soil right, get it ready. Uh, that's why so many uh, raised beds are here, more than probably other parts of the country. Because our soil is so bad, my entire backyard, okay, I'm on a half an acre. The entire backyard is raised beds. I just tear it. It's on a big slope, and so I just tear down. And, and I brought in, over the decades, extra soil, better soil, good soil. And so now when I plant, things just take off. It looks lush and beautiful. I mean, hummingbirds are ridiculous right now. There are so many. It's just crazy. It's fun. It's healing. It's restorative. It makes you feel good. You just want to go out there and watch a sunset. That's what your landscape should be. It should feel. It's got a feeling to it. It should make you feel back. So the more you give to give to your plants, give to your landscape, give to you, the more it gives back to you. And so prepping that soil makes all the difference. The next one would be feeding. You're not fertilizing your plants like you do other other parts of the country. What you're really doing is you're feeding your soil. That's why a big mistake people make, they get a synthetic fertilizer, which is terrible. It actually kills your soil. It kills the mycorrhizal uh, colonies. It kills worms. Synthetics are basically petroleum-based chemicals that you're throwing out there. That's a carbon molecule you're giving them. And then it just it makes the plants grow fast, but it kills the soil. You want to think just the opposite. When you're lacking so much, when you're lacking good soil, you need to invigorate that soil so the plants want to root into it. So you're kind of reversing your thinking on, on that. So now we use organic fertilizers, and then we're fertilizing the outer drip lines, the, the soil at the outer branches of those plants. That's where the feeder roots are. That's where all the activity is, and that's where you want to focus your nutrients the soils, the, the fertilizer you put into the soil should be an acidic kind of so, uh, fertilizer. So this is where I, I'm, I'm against the norm. So if you're tuned into HGTV, you probably don't like to listen to this because I'm more local, but, but it really works. We're not gardening in New York City. We're not in Chicago. We're not in Baltimore. The, they call it the Great Garden Arch from Seattle to, to Chicago down to pretty much Virginia. That's the Great Garden Arch. That's where all the marketing dollars, all the products are made for that garden segment. That's where the gardeners are. That's where the money is spent. Down here, we have the Great Rock Arch. I don't know. Boulders. Uh, we just don't they, – they don't take as much interest in us. And, and that garden information doesn't help us down here because it's different. So our soil is very alkaline. Our water is very alkaline. We need a, we need a fertilizer that makes the soil more acidic all the time. You get a focus on that plant, bringing that pH down. If you've had a, a hot tub or, or a pool, you know you're always checking the pH. You want to keep it in the neutral zone or the sweet spot or the perfect growing condition. They say 6.5 to 7 is the perfect pH. You'll never get that in the mountains of Arizona. I mean, you're lucky if you can keep it under eight, seven, five, that's ideal. That's good. It'll grow. But I've literally had some of my own gardens come out at 9.2 pH. That's sterile. That's like things, that's what you clean the toilet with. That, that's, that's ammonia. It's just terrible alkalinity. So I, you got to bring that pH down all the time. So using the right fertilizer, it's a game changer. And then focusing not at the trunk, but at the drip line really, really makes a difference. Another insider tip, I mean, I've got two acres of nothing but plants. I mean, just 
thousands of plants to pick from. And sometimes it can be dumbfounding. You just don't even know where to start. Uh, that's part of the reason I put top10plants.com together. We, we showed off the garden center as, as you would shop for them. So we put all of our plants into top10plants.com. And now you can, you can click on the button and go, show me evergreen trees. Don't, and it helps your research. It's half research. Yes, you can buy them online and pick them up. But, but really, it helps you figure out, research the plants. And so you really want to think like a local, think like uh, natives, think like companion plants in the yard. So many folks come in, they go, I want a dogwood, and I want it right out there in the front yard because I'm from Virginia, and that's what I want. Going, well, I got them. Good luck with that. Uh, the, the Californians love their Japanese maples. I want it right out in the front yard. The tag says it'll grow right in the front yard, full sun. Going, yep, that's good. Yeah, go have at it. Yep, go, go, go for that. I would not do that myself. You're going to hate it because it will live, like the tag says, but it'll be the ugliest plant you've ever seen. It'll have brown tips. It'll struggle to get enough water. It's just because the altitude, the sun, the wind, the dryness, it causes that plant to not thrive in just the right spot, in a shaded area, underneath the pine trees, in a container, underneath your patio. It loves growing there. That's where your Japanese maples and dogwoods grow but not out in the yard, not like in other parts of the country. So you need to do your homework a bit. And so really try to think not like where you're from, what your favorite is, or if you do that, ask us, well, can I grow a hydrangea? I'm going, yes, you can, uh, but not all of them. Your favorite variety probably is not going to perform well here because they're dealing with more perennial varieties. We need stuff that has repeat blooms. So we've got a specific selection of hydrangeas, and it can see no sun it needs to be in the shade. So you need to group like plants together. Make sure that sun plants are in the sun, shade plants are in the shade, or they've got some that can actually do both. They transition, So, uh, but do your homework on that. I see too many folks coming from a lot of East Coast. They want that formal, I want nothing but boxwoods. I want to line everything with boxwoods. Well, they do great here, but our designs are more informal. We don't really use that, that formal, you know, straight lines, angles. That's a formal garden. We have more drifts, more flow, more natural gardens. And so you want plants that can fit that. And we've got so many plants to choose from. Here you can grow agaves and yuccas and sages and the herbs do so incredible. Just there's so many choice that you can plant because it's a, it's a four season climate, but quite mild. Okay, you folks listening from the White Mountains, Williams, Flagstaff, I know you're tuned in. Uh, I, you're colder. But the rest of us, we're not. We're pretty nice. It's just beautiful. So anyway, uh, that's watch Watch your plants. Put like things together is, is the point going with that. I answer this question mainly in the spring, but how much soil do you need? This is because we have so many raised beds and containers, container gardens. Um, and the answer is you need a minimum of 12 inches, okay? I would not go any less than 12 inches, a foot of depth of, of good soil. I'm not talking about that crummy, junky stuff you got in your backyard. When you're digging up, when you're trying to dig through and, and, and add some potting soil, you want to have a minimum of 12 inches. Now, the book says eight I find it's not quite enough. I have more success with 12 inches. Just give it a little bit more. You can't get too much soil. 
but you can have too shallow and then things dry out. It gets too, it just dries out too fast. So fertilize more, fertilize the soil, not the plant. We won't even go into watering. Drip systems pay for themselves in the first 18 months. I mean, just they pay for themselves. They're worth it. You need a drip system if you're going to have landscape shrubs at all. Um, and then put like plants together so that you can, you can water them together. And they get the same needs. So put all your vegetables together. Put all your flowers together. Put all your perennials together. Put all your shade, sun, together so they're easier to care for. Be right back. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden Companion plants for September are pampas grass, honeysuckle, raywood ash, and lacy blue Russian sage. Lacy blue Russian sage is a Waters preferred perennial for its compact form that doesn't flop over in the landscape like others. The spiky blue flowers bloom summer through fall with aromatic foliage detestable to all animals. Simply stunning at the edge of dry stream beds mixed with wildflowers. Shop in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner, and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. We've had some good rains, and now the weeds are becoming large. They're aggressive. They're growing like crazy. One of the real insider tips to ease your gardening, bar, probably number one, I, I despise watering, so I have drip systems. And then I despise weeding. That's That just makes gardening work. And so I put weed preventers down. I put it down twice a year, and I have very few weeds. But a lot of customers are coming in going, oh my gosh, you're taking over now. Well, they didn't put that. You got to do, you got to be a season ahead on your weed preventers because it affects the seed. And so we got a product here at the store. It's called Weed Beater Complete. Weed Beater Complete. It's a granular. You sprinkle it around like fertilizer. A bag covers 5,000 square feet. I'll usually cover, get a bag for the front yard, bag for the, for the back. And, uh, and I spread it around. Uh, before the weeds come up. So I put that down the end of June, first part of July in my gardens uh, around the rose beds. It doesn't affect your trees, doesn't affect shrubs, doesn't even affect weeds that are already coming up. It only keeps the seed from coming back. And so if you've got goat head, this is this beautiful ground cover. It's within an inch off the ground, but when you lift it up, it's got these burrs that when you step on them, it just goes right through your, your... your, your poor dogs start limping around. Those are goat heads. Uh, foxtail, the one that goes through your sock, wants to come through your ankle and come out the other side. Again, I, I've taken cats and dogs into the vets because they get them up their nostrils or in their eyes, and you have to go surgically remove them. They're dangerous. This is an annual. It only comes back by seed. If you prevent the seed from germinating, you're not going to have that weed. It's a game. Spurge. 
just, it grows everywhere. Uh, it's soft, it's easy, but it's insidious. It grows everywhere. It's hard to can stop it. Weed beater complete. You put this down and then it needs to be watered within the first month and then it will keep the seed. It creates a barrier where the seed are not able to germinate. It's truly, truly a game changer. Um, if you want to take a look at those, uh, research them, see what I'm talking about. If you're tuned in from out of areas, this broadcasts all over uh, northern Arizona, basically. It even gets broadcast down in Yuma, of all things. Thank you for tuning in, Yuma. Henderson, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you folks are great. So Kingman, a shout out to you all. We just had a group come in. I think they were hitting the VA, hitting the garden center, and heading back home. So thank you. Uh, just fun to talk to folks where they're at. Uh, but if you want to see the products, things mentioned, go to top10plants.com. Top 10. Not like the number 10. Top the number 10 plants.com. And I've set the garden center up. You can see all the products that are that I talk about here in the garden center. Uh, these are what you see. Well, if you came to the garden center, these are the products you would see. The plants, the trees, the shrubs. They're all there. But at the top, they've got plant care. Plant care go to fertilizers or bug killers or weed killers. And you, you can just isolate right down to what you want to look at. And then it brings those 12 things right there. Really is made to help you research up your game so you know what you're getting into or what was mentioned. But uh, Weed Beater Complete. Bag covers 5,000 square feet. You put it down. I would put it down now just to keep... Another thing I'm doing, I'm putting no-low bait, N-O-L-O, no-low bait for the grasshoppers. The grasshoppers are huge, and they're laying eggs everywhere. I want those eggs infected so they don't they don't hatch next spring. I'm baiting my grasshoppers right now with no-low bait. It's a, it's a granular I sprinkle around the yard. And so they'll eat that, and every egg they lay from this point forward are going to be infected so they cannot hatch. And so you put it down now, and you affect next year's grasshoppers. So I'm always thinking a season ahead. And I think that's what gardeners do. They're always a season ahead, and that's what makes gardening easier and more successful in your backyard. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center, and we love talking to fans of the show. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.